And the co-founder was like, you fucked me. But then he slammed down like, I think he gave me personally like five grand in cash. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here, dude? I have no idea. What? I'm like, I don't know how I did that. Hello and welcome to Did I Do That? It's a podcast about making graphic design and making mistakes because it's all part of the process. I'm Sean Schumacher and joining me today, a very special guest. For the past decade, he's been a creative human and creative director at the likes of Laundry Service, AKQA, and Wyden and Kennedy. In 2021, he founded his own creative and media agency, Winterton, where he works with the likes of Adobe, Nike, Netflix, Arcteryx, Harvard University, Jordan Brand, and Microsoft. He also serves as managing editor of the Creative brief it's zachary winterton hi hello thank you for being here thank you for having me i appreciate it uh how how are you feeling today i feel pretty good (laughs) you know we're coming off uh it's been a long weekend we had friday out of the office oh yes it is uh veterans day weekend uh as we are recording did you happen to do anything for for uh this uh, holiday weekend you know i was very intentionally not doing anything so it was i slept in I can't imagine um, what not doing anything is like. <laughs> I hope I hope someday to learn. I'm learning. Oh, yeah. You're I doing it right, naps. I think. I took some naps. Oh, um, yeah. very jealous. Yeah, pretty low key. That is exactly right. So I, I, I am I am feeling today a little piggly, and if I'm being honest, a little wiggly. And the reason for that is I happen to have supermarket corporate merger fever it's a terrible disease it's going around (laughs) um you know it's corporate merger fever has been catching and this is just sort of a variant of it supermarket corporate merger fever (laughs) um because that albertson safeway and kroger merger is it seems to be proceeding and the news is that they're going to have to sell some stores to do it among them are the qfc stores which are potentially going to get sold in the portland area to piggly wiggly we are potentially (laughs) going to have the best grocery brand here in town and that's incredible it's so exciting <laughs> and that really got me thinking about all the smaller grocery chains out there and uh the branding around them and that got me looking on wikipedia which is always a terrible idea <laughs> um it turns out there's a lot of really interesting grocery store names <laughs> like a frightening number so that sort of sort of led me to this grocery chain quiz, which I, I have been tentatively titling a guy's grocery game. Uh, no trademark infringement. Please don't come after me, Guy Fieri. Uh, so uh, are you ready to play a guy's grocery game? Let's play. <laughs> Let's play. Uh, so I've got some store names here. I'm going to list them out to you and you're going to have to tell me uh, which one of them is fake and also, which one of them, you know, would maybe inspire you most to shop at? Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, we've got Ray's Food Place, Ball's Food Stores, Gerland's Food Fair, and Al's Food Dumpster. <laughs> okay. I think the <laughs> fake one is going to be Al's Food Dumpster. What makes you say that? Just the inclusion <laughs> of dumpster at the end. <laughs> Something about it. I don't know. It, it maybe does not inspire much uh, about the quality of food. Yeah. Uh, although I would say none of these really make you feel like the food is going to be superb. True. Uh, which of these would you most want to shop at? I think Owls. You do want to find out what's in the food dumpster? <laughs> I mean, I kind of am curious, yeah. 
<laughs> well, uh, good news. You are correct. In fact, Al's Food Dumpster is the one that is made up. Ray's Food Place being, of course, you know, the number one place to go to the grocery store if you are on the Oregon coast in that it is pretty much the only place you can go to the grocery store on the Oregon coast. All right. Our next group is Sendix, Slumps, Schnucks, and Sleepers. Whew. Yeah, getting a little harder here. I think maybe the fake one is going to be schnucks. Is that even a word that you just said, actually? Schnucks okay. is, in fact, what I said, yes. Yeah. Which one would you most want to shop at of these? Can we run the list back again? Uh, of course. Sendix, slumps, schnucks, and sleepers. I think I'm going to be shopping at sleepers. You're going to be shopping at sleepers? I think I will. Well, I have some bad news for you. For one, Sleepers is in Maine, so you're going to have to go to Maine to do your shopping, which I feel like would be a little inconvenient. And also, Schnucks is a real store. It is a 115 location chain out of the Midwest with locations across Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin. In fact, Slumps is the fake one there. Okay. Um, I am terrible at this game. Let's keep it rolling. No, you're 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 at 50-50. <laughs> okay. I think I think you're doing pretty All well. Right. All right. Next up, we have a category I'm calling Foodapalooza. Uh, this is a slightly longer list, but uh, I, I think you'll see what they have in common. We've got Foodorama, Foodland, Food Town, The Food Emporium, Food Zapoppin, Food City, Food Max. That is one word. Max is, of course, uppercase, and there are two X's at the end. Mm -hmm. Food Right, spelled R-I-T-E, and giant food okay <laughs> hmm i feel like the fake one is gonna be giant food you you think the fake one is giant food which one would you most want to shop at i i think food emporium probably i think i may have actually heard of it before so i have some semblance of consumer confidence here food emporium yeah uh, food emporium is a fairly prominent grocery chain in new york I think they have 13 locations, and I think they're fairly well regarded. Uh, what What is it about Giant Foods, out of curiosity, that makes you feel like they're fake? <laughs> so truth be told, that one was the one that was like beaming in my mind the most, so yeah. I just kind of remembered it. Uh, it does kind of stand <laughs> out. The list. And I will say, looking, I, I pulled up their Wikipedia page here. Looking at their Wikipedia page makes me think, this, this is a grocery chain that does have a Wikipedia page, but it sure looks fake. <laughs> <laughs> It sure looks like somebody made that logo on Fiverr. Um, they are based in Maryland, though, so unfortunately, uh, you you have missed that one. In fact, the the fake one there was foods a poppin'. Uh, the foods yep. they are not poppin'. Our next category: He's just some guy, you know. And your choices here are Morton Williams, Stu Leonard's, Alex Lee, Gordon Shumway, and Harris Teeter. Mm -hmm. I'm going Gordon Shumway. That's the one you think is incorrect. I think that one's fake. Can I ask why? Something about Shumway. It just feels like it, it's, uh, while clever, it sounds like it maybe is made up. A little a little on the nose. <laughs> um, which one would you most want to shop at? <laughs> um, let's run that list. <laughs> Sorry. Of course. Uh, Morton Williams. Stu Leonard's. That is possessive, I should let note. It's not just Stu Leonard. It's Stu Leonard's something. Uh, Alex Lee. Gordon Shumway and Harris Teeter. Something about Morton Williams. I like the the ring. Morton Williams does sound very important. And uh, looking at their branding on their Wikipedia page, they they in fact 
you know, looks like okay. a fairly high-end store based in the Bronx in New York City. And you are correct on that one. Gordon Shumway is, in fact, the name yes. of the alien life form on the program ALF. Uh, <laughs> okay. Gordon Shumway. Big fan. Yeah, not opening his own grocery store. It would just contain cat meat. And I don't think I want to buy that. That's a big no from mm, me. Yeah. Big pass. Uh, okay. Our next category is discount alphabet soup. Discount alphabet soup. And your choices are O-Mart, C-Mart, Super G-Mart, J-Mart, Big Y, and F-Mart. Okay. I think the fake one is going to be Big Y. Can I ask why? What, I, that's my big Y on this one. You know, just one. thinking about you know my understanding of like the letter format of grocery names, it's usually letter space mart or letter dash mart. Yes. That one kind of breaking the mold a little bit makes me think it, it could be fake. Um, in terms of the one I'm going to shop at, was there an H mart in there? I intentionally left that one off yeah, because they are so prominent around the these parts. Okay. There was a J mart. There was a J mart. I'm hitting J mart. You're, you're going to say J mart is the one so. you most want to shop at. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're going for the New York chains. I'm noticing, okay. um, just, uh, as a standard and, uh, yeah, J-Mart is, in fact, also based in New York. Uh, but Big Y is based in Massachusetts and Connecticut. They, in fact, are real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're they're chomping a little of that Big K flavor, the, the attempt at rebranding Kmart Uh-oh. in the 90s as a superstore, oh, which yeah. no one really went for, the Big K. And Big Y, they're, they're trying hard. They've got a kind of scripty logo <laughs> Very there. Very squiggly. Very squiggly. But uh, yeah, 72 locations. F-Mart is, in fact, the the one that I made up because oh, okay. it kind of sounds like fart. Um, <laughs> our final category, uh, this is a, a little bit of a game changer. Kroger is, of course, a super brand, and it is about to become more of a super brand if it you know, gloms onto Albertsons. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot under their umbrella. So I'm going to give you a list of four, and you're going to have to pick the one that is not a Kroger chain. Excellent. <laughs> Your choices are King Supers, spelled S-O-O-P-E-R-S, uh, Roundies, Food for Less, numeral four, and Western Beef. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Important to note, all of these are real. You could go shop at all of these stores, but only one of them is not. I think not... the one that is not Kroger is Food for Less. Uh, that is a great guess. I would actually not be surprised if Food for Less gets gets shed in this merger. And I think I think that was part of the discussion. But uh, in fact, it is Western Beef. Western Beef is a <laughs> low-cost supermarket chain, mostly in the New York City area, uh, which I really wanted to shout out because it has my favorite logo out of all of them. It is a happy little cactus. Beautiful. It's so beautiful, and it's so not... It makes no sense for a grocery store to look like this. We love a mascot logo. He's so happy. I got to find out his name, but I, I'll, I'll look and find out later. <laughs> <laughs> but that is our, our our little game there, a guy's grocery game, and I do believe surprisingly difficult. It's surprisingly difficult, but I do believe you won uh, a, a, by a slight majority there. Okay, um, and if you didn't, I should have been keeping better track, and I'm sure the listeners will email. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for your prize, I'm going to give you. Um, 
this light bulb. I'm honored. I'm humbled and honored. Thank you've you so won, much. You've won a a par <laughs> 15 light bulb, a real, real nice, uh, great light bulb that I didn't just reach behind me and, and pick up. Is this uh, LED by chance? I believe it is LED. Okay. It mm-hmm. is unfortunately, though, just a really terrible color temperature. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, you're going to hate it. Thank you. <laughs> It's too kind. Yeah. Um, So I wanted to kind of set things back and and like get into your story a bit. Like you you kind of have an uh, unusual like trajectory into graphic design because you kind of came from music. It's Uh, true. Yeah. How did you first of all, how did you kind of get into the music scene? And yeah. Yeah. You know, I kind of fell into the music world, honestly, as a kid growing up in a smaller town. It was just something fun to do. You kind of had to make your own fun when you live in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Where were you? Where were you living? Uh, I was in eastern Washington. Oh, wow. And yeah. So it was like a town of maybe 35,000 people. So not the smallest, but definitely not a lot going on. Yeah. And probably not particularly close to anything else. I mean, not really. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're either kind of doing sports or kind of making your own fun kind of in a smaller community like that. And I just happened upon a few friends that were creative humans and into music. And so for the longest time, I was just kind of the friend at their band practice. I didn't play any instruments, but I was just hanging out, like cheering them on, like helping them move their instruments around. Yeah. Um, And then I kind of started playing the drums, found that I had a real knack and was really inspired by that instrument and then just kind of kept going. Sort of got some positive feedback early on that people liked the music we were making. And so fast forward... You know, maybe three to five years I was pursuing that as kind of my career. My creative career was to be um, a touring, performing, uh, recording musician. Mm. So like straight straight out of like, you know, That's growing what I up. thought, you know, yeah. it, like I didn't really understand that there were other creative career paths. Yeah. In my kind of mind and in the like tiny worldview that I had at that time coming from a small town was that. If you want to have a creative career path, it needs to be in the performing arts. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't really realize you could even really do design as a career. It's just like who's most prominent in like what you're seeing. Totally. Like the designers are all behind the scenes. but Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so through playing music and through being in bands, I realized, hey, we need like a website. We need some apparel and some like flyers to promote our shows to get people to come to our shows and our events. So much stuff. And so I kind of started building out little websites um, on like GeoCities at the time. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, I oh, was yeah. that, I was the guy that did that, you know. Do you remember the neighborhood that you, you situated your band's GeoCities in? <sighs> I wish I could remember. Yeah, I've oh. actually gone down multiple rabbit holes to try to find these archival moments from like the late 90s. Oh, yeah, because the, the entire GeoCities like... Uh, what was on it, at least when it closed, got archived by uh, yeah. the Internet Archive. I, I seem I've to found a, I've found a lot of like scraps of it, but for some reason, none of the images yeah. from a lot of the sites that I specifically built remained. So I don't know if there's something I was doing. Some of my friends' bands, their sites still have the images. So. Yeah. You just got I essentially a skeleton of I HTML. Guess. Yeah. Which is still kind of fun, you know, to pick up some of those breadcrumbs. Yeah. That's so, yeah. I mean, that that makes so much sense. How, like, how old were you when you were like starting touring and stuff like that? Yeah. So I didn't really have a proper tour until I was maybe 19, 19 or 20, and uh, never really broke out of sort of a regional circuit 
but they're I think probably the most like fiscal success I had as a musician was when I decided to also run a like a small demo recording studio. Oh sure, yeah. So I was able to supplement like income from performances and from shows with recording artists of like you know, regional artists as well. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I mean, I, everyone I've talked to who's who's sort of done the touring thing talks about it. It not necessarily being a money maker. No, I mean, not <laughs> at all. You're not you're not rolling in dough after no. the tour. No, you're lucky if you break even. If that, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're you, where are you starting your your like demo space? Like when I first kind of got into that side of the business, it was just me and a dear friend. We were still in high school yeah, and we were doing it out of his mom's basement, quite literally. And we kind of had this two man team going where I was connected to a lot of the bands and artists. And then he had the space and the equipment. And so we built this like small little independent outfit where I would network and bring in bands and my friends, uh, my bands that I was in, and then he would record everybody. And then he ended up moving into like an actual proper space that was like remodeled to be a studio oh that's and sweet. uh he moved to seattle to pursue um work and i had actually moved back to walla walla our hometown from seattle to pursue kind of a life reset and so i inherited um his demo studio at that point and uh so i just kind of took over his lease i did make a ton of mistakes along the way you know and i definitely had a number of bands where i'm like i'm literally learning how to do this while we're here so <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't charging feels, very much. It feels but. very appropriate for a graphic design <laughs> yeah, person eventually too. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Um are you are you like as you're doing things like are you kind of setting yourself up as like a full service person like supporting these bands needs like through the demo studio too? Was definitely like eyeing that yeah. and kind of like scratching and clawing towards that. But to the point about being in a band not necessarily being a lucrative path, there's kind of not a lot of opportunities for me to like bill them more yeah it was like you know i'm billing you to do this demo and that's kind of all the money that you guys want to devote to it right now yeah it's stuff that they've scratched out of their couch cushions and exactly you know broken their piggy bank from childhood yep and you know a big part of that too was just being in a small market yeah 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 i can't imagine there's a ton of bands ultimately in walla walla probably like yeah you know more than you might think but definitely not you know yeah everybody's kind of making their own little scene and making their own art and music as they can. So where, where do you go from there? Like what's your next like major milestone? You know, all the while kind of through that I had had various jobs obviously to pay rent and do the things. And I kind of landed in this like sales and marketing role and kind of found I had a bit of a knack for it. And so I was actually working kind of in and out throughout this time as well at a like tech company that sold digital advertising. Wow. And so it started as really, truly an entry level, you know, on the phone, basically dialing for dollars to like <laughs> close sales. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not necessarily a lot of digital in this digital marketing. Not on my side. There were other teams within the building that were like truly running like Google ads and like really doing the thing. Yeah. My teams were just literally picking up the phone and calling. <laughs> Some and real so, analog digital marketing. Totally. So we were just doing that. I was doing that. A couple of my roommates were doing that as well. And through some early wins that I experienced personally, I was able to kind of climb the ladder there and ended up getting recruited to join the marketing team by the VP of marketing at the time. Oh. And that was my first truly, I was 20, just about to turn 21. 
And I, that was my first exposure to like professional creatives yeah. that were like graphic designers, people that were just like writing taglines and like just having ideas and getting paid. And that was really my first time seeing not only were they having the most fun in the building, but they didn't have sales quotas. Oh, yeah. And uh, all the while I was like in Photoshop and, and designing stuff like in my own time for fun. But then seeing that these folks were doing it like at their day job as well was super inspiring to me. And so I really just kind of went headlong into trying to like navigate my way out of more of a sales and business development type of uh, career path and like going more into the creative side. That's so interesting. Like, w yeah, to to actually like be doing that in the background and, and to realize like, oh, yeah, like this is this is a whole space I could be operating in and it, it would bring me more happiness yep. than what I'm doing. Like. I imagine it's not an easy road to necessarily get there, though. Like, how do you pivot? Like, what do you do? You know, I kind of like not only was my path through into design nonlinear, nontraditional, but my career path in general kind of was the same way. I would like make um, headway and get promoted and then kind of drop out to like focus on music again. And it, that was still kind of like tugging at me. Oh, interesting. And so I like left that company, came back. Then I was um, recruited by another gentleman who had a different startup that he was running, again, as a business development type of a human. And so I came into his organization to help him with his projects. And it was a much, much smaller company. And I was much, much closer to the creative teams at that point and much like quite literally sitting next to a designer. And so I would just kind of ask like, hey, how do you mask out that object? Because we did some like e-commerce pieces and oh, a lot yeah. of digital work. And he was like, quite truly showing me how to use the pen tool in Photoshop. Yeah, you've kind of got an apprenticeship, essentially. A little up. bit where I was I was just kind of bugging him. Like, we were buddies, <laughs> you know, but in downtimes or moments where we didn't have a lot happening. All the while, I'm still dabbling. I'm even getting a few, like, freelance design clients as well. Oh, really? But looking back on that, basically, I was just picking a font. You yeah. Know I mean? Like, it wasn't really, I was getting a photograph and putting a font over it. It wasn't really designing much, you know? <laughs> You know, foundations level essentially, yeah. but you know you're 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 getting up there. Um, yeah. How long does that trajectory last before you kind of start like essentially getting into that more seriously? Like I worked with um, that company was in the wine industry specifically, where a hundred percent of our clientele were wineries. Oh wow! And kind of our our value proposition was that we were helping them operate online, so they're experts in their craft at farming and like viticulture and like uh making the wine but they're not really good at actually having a beautiful website or like really telling their story in a certain way online so that was where our brand really kind of came in was to help usher them into a space where they can have a premium web presence as well um so you know through that i was able to work with some really talented um designers like really crafting elegant work and so just kind of picking their brains a bunch i got a different offer from another entrepreneur who was running a agency called spark creative and i was his first hire and i kind of came in as like a basically a utility hitter but mostly graphics oh really and so i can't remember exactly what i was being paid at the time but it was like enough to live and enough for me to really just learn even more on the job that was some of my first time really using adobe illustrator wow <laughs> so i'm just kind of making it happen you know i've always had a voracious appetite for um, like knowledge and learning and growth. And so I just applied that. And then we had a few uh, restaurant clients around town and a few winery clients. And 
was designing all kinds of stuff from there. Were you working with other designers at, at that place or? No, it was just me and the founder, honestly. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, at, at that's point, a lot of learning that you have to do on the job there. Yeah, well, interestingly, like it, by this point, I'd been in Photoshop for, you know, five or six years. Yeah. In and out, just kind of figuring it out and like learning. Uh, at this time, this was like a pre-YouTube era at one point. So I was like just getting actual books. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, younger people listening to this show, you have no idea how hard it used to be <laughs> to actually find tutorials to yeah. do things. You would go to the bookstore, you would buy a book, and you would hope, you would keep your fingers <laughs> crossed that what was contained in the book was the thing that you needed. <laughs> Truly. And many times it would not be in there. Yeah. Or you'd go to the library and check out a book on, you know, the same software, but like 10 years older, and you definitely wouldn't find what you needed. It's true. It's a mess. Yeah. Thank you, YouTube. <laughs> I know. It's so much easier, like, truly, you know, yeah. You can find just about anything. So you're you're like, you're having to figure it out on the fly. You're essentially building your career as you're, as you're going. Like, Pretty much, yeah. And like all of this without any semblance of education, really, you know. Um, yeah. As we're as we're talking, I am remembering I did take there were a couple of courses that I took along the way, one of which was in high school, uh, which was what, what was it called at the time? It was um, it was called TV radio broadcasting. Uh, we were learning how to edit video. Oh, interesting. And it was like how to run like a news organization, basically. Yes. And like, my high school had one of these as well. And thinking about that now, I'm like, that was I was probably 14, 13. Yeah. You would have us do some of the tape, the reel to reel type of editing. I think it was VHS. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was two VHS tapes. But there was also some, like, iMacs that were in the classrooms as well. So it was kind of like you can learn a little bit of both. Yeah. That was an incredible introduction for me. And I've I've kept in touch with that professor quite a bit over the years, too, because I'm like, dude, I'm using these video editing techniques that I learned from you when I was 13, you know, 20 years, 20 plus years later. What were some of the other classes that you were taking that kind of... Yeah, so I I took a couple of courses at uh, community college. One of which I believe was called like Introduction to Graphic Design. Looking, That's pretty good. Looking back on it now, though, I'm remembering – I don't even really know if I went all the time, to be totally honest. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a problem. Yeah. I, yeah. The, only, the only thing that I really remember doing was – like adjusting the hue and saturation. Of oh, like there wasn't a ton well, that we were, it wasn't really uh, in depth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So not being there and then maybe not getting much out of it in terms of, you know, actual design skills. That's, that's not going to help you very much. Yeah. But at least it, it was, it was something. Were there any other classes that you, you took? Those were, honestly, those were the only two. Yeah. Um, but I have, you know, I really tried to supplement that along the way. I think, I think I was even quite um, like self-conscious about that for a long time. Yeah. Until I reached a certain point where it's like the brands and or the volunteer experience I had or the, you know, different things along the way were able to kind of like replace that. And I think I, I might still be operating from that place a little bit if I'm being honest, where I'm like taking on so much, like doing the most at all times <laughs> to try to backfill that like whole, what I see as a, a gap in my resume. Yeah. Then, yeah, you know, the rest of it has just really been sitting next to talented people. Yeah. And, like, not lurking at their work, but just being like, how did you do that? Well, yeah, but I, I like, I I think that is a really good perspective to be bringing to anything. Because, like, there are so many things that I feel like, you know, no matter how expert anybody gets, like, 
you'll see something that will blow your mind like almost every day. And if you mm. if you know the person who made it, you can ask them and, and grow. And that's like so exciting. Mm. Um, but also like, I, I mean, I don't think you should feel bad about like not having a traditional design education. Like, I think this is a very this is a very diffuse field. Like, yeah, I don't any longer. I don't think like truly. Yeah. But I think maybe it's like in there a little bit. But. I actually kind of celebrate it now. Yeah. Where I think it is kind of a more interesting part of my like career trajectory for sure. So yeah, like you're like going into this job where you are essentially the sole design voice yeah. at this uh, agency. Yeah. Like what kind of work are you doing there? Like, yeah. So at that time we were doing a lot of work for social. It was pretty early in like the, the time in which you could create a Facebook page for oh, your business. So this would have been like kind of early teens. Yeah, I think it was like 2011 or so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then our, you know, the the gentleman I was working with, his name is Jeremy Gonzalez, super enterprising entrepreneurial dude. And we were always trying to like think of revenue streams outside of client services. Oh, yeah, because th- it's just the two of you. So like mm-hmm. you got to you're not just the graphic designer. <laughs> you're doing all yeah. all the things. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun actually working quite closely with him. Yeah. And we shared an office with an investor of his who gave him some sort of seed money to launch the agency who was also in a creative field. He was like a an author, children's book author. Oh, wow. And so we were able to kind of like have some synergy amongst the three of us at times. Yeah. Um, and we were mostly helping usher small businesses onto social and showing them how through creative and through content they can, you know, be well like established essentially in a small market that way. Yeah. And that's, I mean, a very nascent thing to be, to be doing there. Like um, how, how long did you end up kind of staying and, and doing that kind of work? That's a great question. I think we probably worked together for like a year and some change. Yeah. Right around there, I would say. Like maybe three years after we were doing that is when I actually moved here to Portland. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. So I moved here in like 2015. What made you want to move out here? You know, truly, I wanted to get closer to uh, Wyden and Kennedy, actually. Oh, really? I was like, I got to work there. Quite literally. And it it happened. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that just happened a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I want to do bigger and better work. Yeah. And uh, I had had enough exposure to agencies and even a, at like a small scale that just through my research, I was like, that's, that's like the top of the, the food chain in a lot of ways, at least in the Pacific Northwest. But then I also realized and learned quickly too that like the music scene here was, you know, substantive. Like my first job here was at Doug Fur actually. Oh, really? So I was like working in their design and marketing team. You're back to music. And- <laughs> yeah, dude. I, yeah. Which has always kind of been a thing in my life and yeah so like i just wanted to be close to the action that was happening here and there's, i mean that especially at that time that's the center that's the center of the action in a lot of ways mm-hmm. like the doug fur legendary venue for those of you outside of portland um part of part of the jupiter hotel until very recently when they were forced to relocate <laughs> um in what is the most baffling move that the jupiter hotel could have possibly made i know i can't fathom that but like just like one of probably the most premier venues that you know a musician could play at here just legendary like what kind of work were you doing there basically they do right around 360 shows a year Mm. 
So they really only have a f- at least at that time, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know how they've shifted their their calendar. Um but with that came a need for a lot of different types of media. Yeah. And so I was like creating content for like at the time we were doing a lot of Facebook headers. Oh yeah. Where it would be like here's all the shows for the week. You're bringing in all your social knowledge to that. 100%. So a lot of it was social. Yeah. And then a big part of our what our team did as well was like running Facebook ads to promote the shows. Yeah. Um but then we were also getting media and content from the artists. And so then we would have to potentially manipulate it a little bit, maybe add the dates they were at Doug Fur. So a lot of it was like quite simple, but then on the other side of that was like I was also Hiring all of our freelancers to do the posters. Oh, wow. So is and this... then doing some of them myself as well. Yeah. Is this <laughs> the first role that you're actually hiring hiring other creatives to, to work on? I think so. You? Wow. I think so. But what was interesting about it and what made it quite easy was like, I think Doug Fur started in either the late 80s or early 90s, if I'm not mistaken. So they had a, quite the Rolodex already. And they oh, kind of had yeah. a machine that was in place. And I just had to... You know, (laughs) press the button basically. (laughs) Whereas, like, we know that this designer specifically will do it this style. Yeah, and they'll they could turn out like five in a day, and we would just kind of go down the list. Having having never really made the kind of variety of posters that you would get to make in a role like that, Mm -hmm. where you you are really thinking about like what is the what is the feel of the band? Like, how much of that thinking is going into who you're choosing? Like. Um, probably not enough. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not enough. Yeah. If I'm being honest, you know, there were a couple of artists that we would work with, one of which is still here in Portland. He goes by show deer that I know would really put a lot of care into that side of it. Yeah. And truly made like works of art out of each poster. And then on the other side of that, we would have artists that would reach out and say, Hey, I I noticed that this show is on the schedule. Have you assigned that poster or not yet? Oh, really? They were just hungry. They were like, to make I that. like this band. Yeah. So those would be the ones where it's like, you know, you're going to get something that has that that vibe. Yeah. But then there's also kind of a unfortunate truth where it's like, sometimes you just make a poster. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or sometimes the band will provide, yeah. provide it too. You know, you, you got to get up, you got to make the donuts and sometimes you got to make the posters too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's true. Uh, yeah. How how long were you sort of on the uh, on the promo grind at, at Doug Fur? Let's see. I was there full time for about a year, and then I switched over to a freelance capacity. Um, and so I I think I was with them for maybe a year and a half, two years. Wow. I kind of forget. Actually, it's. I mean, considering the amount of work going through, I would think that that's a pretty long time to be sticking around. Like it was. I mean, also moving to the freelance side of it where I was like not on the premises on the venue uh, was actually excellent. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciated that change. I love the space and love the industry and like being involved in the shows and being there at times of like amazing shows and like meeting artists and all the people involved was wonderful. Yeah. But in order to really progress and grow in my career as a creative, I had to kind of like step out of that a little bit. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, live events, uh, sort of a little, a little chaotic to be around. Um, totally. You know, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily the best thing creatively to yeah. surround I mean, yourself with all the time. True. And I was almost even like the more chill, I wouldn't say outcast necessarily, but I definitely led a, 
different type of lifestyle than a lot of my colleagues. The the kind who are going to the shows every single night, say. Oh, yeah, or just like, where's the after party? Oh, God. Like partying with the bands at the Jupiter and stuff. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm like, that's not really my speed anymore. I'm already in my, at that time, I was in my early, early 30s. So I'm like, this isn't, I'm trying to like <laughs> not do that. <laughs> I, I like to sleep sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. New technology for them, sleep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like as you're going freelance, are you are you picking up some other work? Like, what opportunities does that open up for you? I worked with a couple of like entrepreneurs here in Portland, and just kind of did some like simple like websites and landing pages and uh, social content. And then I went in house actually with a software company, which happened to be right across the street from Camp Grizzly. Oh, and so I'm like, oh, those guys are having way more fun than I am, so I want to work there, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like an ongoing theme of your career is follow the fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, who's who's making cool work and who's having fun? Because uh, I want to do that. How 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 fun did the software place end up being? Like, what kind of work were you doing there? Not fun at all, actually. Oh, no. No, I... <laughs> I mean, I kind of, I kind of had the feeling when you said software, you yeah. know, startup, but you know, yeah, you know, it was in the horticulture space and very specifically like big box horticulture. So like the plants that are sold at the targets, the Walmarts, the Krogers of the world, uh, yeah, many of the chains I'm sure that we, we yeah. talked about yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I was like in a sales and marketing role yet again, but with that came, um, a lot of graphic design. I like redesigned one of their logos for one of their brands and did a number of different websites and like all types of collateral for events and helped them launch products, really all kinds of really cool stuff. But then the actual product itself and some of the logistics of the team was just a nightmare. So oh no, very, very short lived. What? Yeah. What was what was really like the biggest issue? (laughs) I mean, there, there can be so many when you're talking about a startup is the thing. So you know, the CEO and um, the co-founder were really smart gentlemen, but like really, really aggressive. Oh. And since they, it was- They heard cheerleaders in high school say, be aggressive, be yeah, aggressive. Yeah. And they just, they really took it way too hard. So to it, was just, it was just a toxic work environment. Hey. Like at one point we got a large cash bonus, um, a small Ooh. team of us, because we helped them sell in. Basically, it was like a, a mini acquisition with Walmart where they sold in one of their pieces of tech. All right. They invited us to this like meeting. There was like five of us. And the co-founder was like, you fucked me. But then he slammed down like, I think he gave me personally like five grand in cash. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here, dude? I have no idea. What? I'm like, I don't know how I did that. I don't exactly know what narrative is that play right now. <laughs> So he's angry, but also generous? It was very strange. That's really bizarre. So it was just that in different forms for however long. I don't even know how long I was there. Oh, one of those (laughs) kinds of jobs. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Probably close to a year, honestly. I always tried to stick it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but yeah, I was toxic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're making a run for it. Yeah. Where where do you go next? What's your next pivot? Yeah, from there was at laundry service. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So that was when I actually finally made it into the traditional, while non-traditional, potentially in the larger ecosystem, like still a traditional agency model. Yeah. Um, again, doing digital and social. That's kind of like laundry services 
flag is like they do social for big companies. It makes perfect sense considering mm-hmm. like what you what you're bringing in. Yeah, right? and so that was like I think I was 32 or 33 at this time, and I was like coming in as a mid level designer, and I'm like, damn, all the other designers are like 24. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm trying to figure out like where I'm gonna go in my career at this point because I'm definitely. Uh, like older than I maybe could be in this moment in time. Well, but I I don't know. I mean, I I, I feel like there are so many different people who come to this, you know, this field at so many different stages of their life. And, you know, like even even in our program, we've got plenty of students who are, you know, like over 30. When I started teaching here um, 150 years ago, I dare say that the majority of my students were older than I was. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that was a little bit of a thing for me to mentally figure out because mm-hmm. I certainly had no model for that. Yeah. Um, how, how do you how do you have authority in a classroom where, you know, you are essentially the junior most person? <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good point. But yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, like you've got experience going into this and yeah. like you've got the role like what kind of work do you end up doing while you're like in this mid-level role this was i think where i really started to have the opportunity to just really be creative and really flex in terms of like just making what i want to make essentially yeah like my first few weeks there it was like here's some text here's the copy the client wants put it over a photo Um, so, like, okay. Really back to basics, back totally. to what you were doing in that, you know, community college class. Exactly. Yeah. So I um, started doing some like motion graphics for the Jordan team, the Jumpman team. Oh. And it was less of, hey, make this from scratch, but hey, here's the, the format we use. Yeah. It was like for like when they had a new product drop, they would put these certain overlays and in, like Instagram stories. So I was editing that. Had you like had you gotten to work in motion up until that point? Like you'd had the video had been, yeah. experience. I had been like dabbling and like really learning that. Like I think YouTube was a big part of my learning curve at this point. But I had been teaching myself motion for maybe five or six years at this point. As oh well. wow! Yeah. So you're you're doing a lot of work behind the scenes. I was to- you know really just you know learning and a capacity for knowledge has always been like one of my gifts if you will so yeah. i've just really tried to like lean into that as much as possible that that's a great mindset to be yeah. in. well I'm, I'm actually teaching a design foundations class currently at denver ad school oh cool and that's something that i'm like really trying to bring up every week every other week just like having an attitude of like learning yeah like the tools are always changing the oh. industry is constantly in flux yeah and so just remaining like a sponge as much as possible uh, is very important. Yeah, you cannot you cannot build a career on you know yeah. what Photoshop looked like fifteen years ago. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the tools are are changing. Yeah. Um, sometimes weekly. Yeah, my Adobe Flash knowledge is not getting any uh, any fresher. <laughs> it turns out. Yeah. People are not clamoring back to Adobe Flash. Unfortunately, it no longer exists. So that's a big part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I designed a few. Quite a few animations in Flash in my time as well. It was so great. <laughs> it was a really good tool is the problem. It was a lot of fun. It was really fun. Why <laughs> does After Effects have to be so annoying? I know. Damn it. Just make powerful Flash. That's what I want. 
um, you're getting to stretch those muscles, getting to do new things and like getting to actually be a little bit more like creative in how you're approaching the problems. Like, yeah. Yeah. So this was, this was the first time that I was able to really apply creativity and curiosity to like a, a big brand. Yeah. And so then I kind of just like kept, kept going, kept working. And then at one point, um, the creative director noticed that I had a good attitude and really wanted to make good work. And so then they moved me exclusively to the House of Hoops and, and Jumpman projects. And House of Hoops is like a joint venture between Nike and Foot Locker. Oh, interesting. Where it's like 100% Nike basketball product. And so then it was like kind of really off to the races there where it was a pretty consistent cadence of new sneaker drops. Yeah. And then we had a ton of flexibility from our client, a ton of flexibility internally too, in terms of like what we wanted to create. And so I was just churning out essentially poster designs really for each new sneaker drop. So, yeah, I mean, the, the cadence on that has got to be, you know, pretty, pretty ferocious. Mm-hmm. I also do want to back up and just remind folks, you should not build a house out of hoops. They're, they're just, they're not structurally <laughs> sufficient yeah. for most uh, dwellings, Yeah, especially a second story one. Like if you're going to, if you're going to build a house out of hoops, make it ranch style. <laughs> save yourself some trouble so yeah i mean that like that's getting a lot more prominent in terms of like you know your reach like footlocker yeah. is a national chain nike is huge like yeah the nike stuff was just massive yeah and it it really i think was one of the first times that uh people that i hadn't kept in touch with or even some family members were like okay i, I get it now yeah they can just go to the mall and see what you're doing totally and so getting a chance to, you know, really be involved in that. At, at one point, I was able to touch some work that made it onto Nike.com as well, where I was like, we, I didn't actually know. I don't even think our accounts team knew that it was going to be used there. Oh. We were just making it for social. And then a couple of weeks later, one of our project managers like texted it or slacked me. It's like, check this out. And it was like the P1 photo. You go to Nike.com. It's like, boom, right there. The photo that, <laughs> like, I made the select. I did the, like, treatment. Essentially art directed the spot. It was a still image. But I'm like, that's literally my work on Nike.com right yeah, now. Yeah, your, your work got no absorbed sense. into the mothership. Totally. So it went from social and they're just like, which was unexpected and amazing. Yeah. All the while, too, I'm just, you know, kind of doing a little bit of freelance on the side, too, and trying to, like, build my portfolio and just keep learning and keep getting better. I did a project with the uh, Portland Trailblazers where it was basically a design contest, but you had to be invited to enter. And so it was myself along with two other designers in the Portland metro area entered to design the shirt for the opening night for the Trailblazers season. Wow. So I ended up having my design winning the most votes. Apparently it was the most votes they'd ever had in the contest history. Wow. So, but I was basically leveraging <laughs> So I'm like, okay, I've got something happening here. Yeah. But I was leveraging my social media networks, which at the time was not what it is now, but it was still growing and still important to me to just like run up the vote tally. Yeah. And uh, that was another like tentpole moment in addition to some of the Nike work was that working with the Portland Trailblazers, another piece that my parents and my brother and my family was like, damn, okay, this guy is actually starting to make some headway in this world. That's pretty huge. Like you are getting bigger, bigger things, bigger recognition, bigger recognition, bigger recognition is what we're going <laughs> to go with for that. 
how do you start to capitalize on that? Like, you know, from there, I, I ended up realizing that uh, I had bigger aspirations in the world of design and in the world of creativity at large. Yeah. This was right around the the time that everybody moved to working from home. So it was like, if you want to work from home, you can now. It's like March 13th, 2020. Oh, oh, yeah. And so it's like, do you want to work from home? You want to stay in the office? Like, it's up to you. So I was one of the early ones where I'm like, I've always wanted to work from home too. <laughs> I'm going home and I'm going home immediately. Yeah. The, uh, there's just a Zachary shaped hole in the wall. Yeah. Just, you just, you yeah. just smash through. So while it was like both tragic on one end, but also amazing just to be able to do that, just to be at home. And that somehow coincided with like the, the market for creative jobs, like really got hot. Um, and so I got an offer from AKQA here in Portland and joined their team as an art director. So it was like I was starting to climb up the, the ladder away from being like a mid to senior level designer. Yeah. And was there for a year and some change. Got to work on some some more Nike work, did some work with Fender guitars, just did the thing, kept growing, kept learning, and kept getting more like trust and more opportunity. And then got another offer. The market was still super hot, and I was just interviewing like crazy, interviewed with Apple. Oh, wow. But it was for a freelance role. Huh. And I ended up meeting the executive creative director who had worked at AKQA previous, and he was like, dude, this is going to be like 90 days. I'm not going to steal you away from AKQA for this um and i'm like are you sure dude like, <laughs> like I'm, you you can if you want i'm like this is a risk i'm willing to take to yeah. be honest but that ended up not going anywhere oh and then ended up getting a role um to move to a creative director role with a small agency out of la and uh yeah then i'm like okay i've gone from a mid-level designer making 60k to a creative director making 170k. Wow! In like LA, LA wages. Mm. I'm like, dude, this has been like three years. But I do believe that even at this time, I had the, some of the same, like, had it still in me at this time when I was a designer. Yeah, I just didn't know some of the nuance of how to operate at that level of creativity. Yeah, even though I felt like I had it in me still the whole time. So, but it's like it's one of those things. I mean, you you have to learn it as you're going. Like, there's no. Mm -hmm. Like you can you can watch the YouTube to to tutorials uh, to like get into graphic design, but like there's not like how to navigate agency life YouTube tutorials. Yeah, it would be great if I could say the word tutorials. That would be <laughs> probably very helpful to me just in general. Hey, it's a hard tutorials. One. It can be hard. Yeah, tutorials. Yeah, so like I mean that's a that's a big shift and I assume you're like working remote from this from this agency. Yep. So like Yeah. Did you have to go into LA at all or not once? Wow. Yeah, so I um I kind of met the executive creative director just on LinkedIn, I believe. And he was a big part of the reason why I wanted to go work there. He had done a ton of work uh for Nike and Apple and like just really wonderful work for big brands. And he pitched me on coming in as a CD to operate their um, digital business for Western Digital, the like hard drives company. Oh, yeah. And so we were running a rebrand for them, which turned out wonderful. We were running all of their social content across, I mean, every channel. And then also doing some work for their web as well. Um, and so I got to come in at that level and kind of, you know, work with designers. That was when I really got deeper into my personal copywriting chops as well, which had been sort of part of my 
path like in the background yeah i mean but then operating at that level is like i have to you yeah know? especially at those smaller places like yeah you're you're graphic designing but you're also copywriting and totally yeah like yeah but now you're now you're really doing it like, yeah now i'm actually doing it doing it and yeah. working with copywriters to to do it as well yeah and reviewing copy um etc cetera, etc cetera. how long did you end up like staying with this agency yeah that one i ended up I ended up only staying there for about six months hmm. um, because I had um, a couple of opportunities that came up in like my social media presence started to take off as well. Oh, yeah. And combine that with the amount of stress I felt like I was under. Maybe it was self-inflicted. Maybe it was process related. I haven't taken a moment to really think it through, but I was just like, it's not worth it right now. Yeah. And I felt like I had a real huge opportunity to like focus on my own stuff for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, especially, like, when stress is a factor in it, it makes sense to, like... It made it off. real easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. the the stuff in the background, like, if, if it feels like it can take you somewhere, like, that's a good chance to maybe try to lean into it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, especially the social media side of things, that's been a huge part of, like you know where you've gone like how was that like stepping into like having that be like your your main thrust for a while like yeah it was um it was difficult but i think over the years just working i've been so close to so many entrepreneurs over the course of my career yeah that i've just have this like feeling of, that i'll make it happen and then i also have this like certain level of tenacity in which i'm like I, i'm just going to make it happen whatever that looks like like and if I have to go get a job at Kroger stores or a Kroger property, I'll, I'll do whatever. <laughs> well, not many other options we're learning. Yeah. yeah. Like I'll do whatever it takes to, you know, exist. And so I always kind of have that in the back of my mind. And so I started making content where I was like on camera. Yeah. Mostly about design and about creativity, about how to use the software. And I was essentially just trying a bunch of different things. Yeah. And seeing what would work. I had had success making tutorials where they were like nameless and faceless, where I was just doing a screen recording of like how to do non-destructive editing of an object in Photoshop or something. And that started to really take off. Um, but then I had a had somebody say at one point, like, you can't really build an audience without them ever seeing or hearing you. And that relates to like brands or humans. Yeah. Like if, if they don't ever hear your voice, then how are you going to really have a connection with them? Um, so then I started filming these with me on camera, having never been on camera before. I was like pretty terrible at it actually at first, just kept getting better, kept trying out different ways of approaching the content. And then I made a video about the gap when they redesigned their logo in like 2012. Oh, the incredibly successful gap rebrand exactly. that we all love still. Yeah. So I made like an, it was basically a 12 second video where I'm like, this is the worst logo design of all time. Yeah. It was like really hyperbolic hook at the beginning, but then just a really funny little redesign. Like it's truly ridiculous. Um, and then that video ended up getting like one and a half million views. Um, and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this now where I have this like really definitive like line in the sand about my thoughts on it. And I was calling that like my pineapple on pizza approach where <laughs> everybody everybody has an opinion about it, but it's like it's not controversial enough to really cause any problems it's like i'm not uh, like gonna hurt anybody's feelings 
but I'm like drawing a definitive line in the sand. Yeah. So I did that for quite some time and it like kept working, kept getting traction. People would would duke it out in the comments about whether or not it is the worst. And then I had one comment that I just noticed one day that was like, dude, your content is strong enough that you don't have to do this like hyperbole. Like there's no That's such- That's a good note. Yeah. It's like, there's no such thing as like, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like that's, I was definitely doing it as like a bit. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, if I really want to be taken seriously in this space, then I need to kind of adjust that. And you, you already have the audience now. Yeah. You, it was you, starting to grow. Yeah. Yeah. You have some, some like leeway to pivot. Totally. So then I just basically stopped with that hook. And now I just say like, this logo is this. I just have this really simple little thing where I just like, I feel like I'm like a design Trisket where I'm delivering some smoked salmon of information. <laughs> and then I just get out of the way and like go into the design Trisket. I just, I'm like, I'm just ushering up the information here and I just get out of the way. Yeah. You, you got it. You got to get that design pate off to, off to the yeah. guests. Uh, otherwise they're going to have to eat the little, you know, design like weenies on a, uh, oh, yeah. toothpick the design, little smokies. Yeah. Design little smokies. <laughs> <laughs> what is the design equivalent of little smokies? That's a great question. Uh, I, I clearly must have food on the mind with, with these questions. Um, I, I need to go shopping. That's what's, that's, what's going on with me. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's interesting to think about like that, that you, you, you are able to make this pivot and now have like, you know, more like bite-sized discussions that are not as like, you know, built around kind of that polarization Mm -hmm. like lens. Um, limited polarization ultimately yeah um and just really truly it's almost like i'm just reading the design brief or the breakdown um and i found that people will kind of draw their own conclusions in the comment section potentially or say like oh this is amazing i love this or this is terrible or they never should have redesigned it or you know people love to give their opinion on the internet yeah i've noticed i've noticed a little bit of that (laughs) Yeah. yeah And I, like as you're doing this too, all the while, like you're you're still maintaining a design practice. Like you're mm-hmm. still you're still on contract with places. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, what is how is it like balancing things? And like, what else are you doing as you're like getting this off the ground? It, no, it was amazing actually doing both. Yeah, uh, because I found that I became almost like a design encyclopedia or a, an encyclopedia of creative because. As I'm researching and as I'm creating the content, I'm just soaking on all of this work. Um, and that has kind of led to me having a relationship with Adobe directly where I've, um, I'm like invited to pre-release um, Zoom calls where like I'm running through like new features with them. Oh, wow. And so not only am I becoming like incredibly knowledgeable about the design world, but I'm incredibly knowledgeable about the tools and what's coming out. So I am able to really just be an asset to a creative team. Um, all the while I'm doing some freelance work um, with basically I, I found that I can do kind of two different types of work. One of which is I was bolting on to other agencies and operating as either a designer, art director, or a creative director, depending on kind of what they needed. But then I was also starting to get a ton of 
outreach and a ton of inbound traffic from social where people are reaching out to me to design their widget, design their logo, design their website. And so I'm kind of doing these two parallel paths in addition to the social. Um, and then that is really what, that's really where things are at even still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, that's like, I think there's a lot of exciting opportunities that kind of come with that too. Like, you know, the more, the more connections that you make, the more you can kind of grow both practices. Like, I mean, just the thought, like essentially you're able to create content from Adobe and, you know, sort of like it, it gets to be this like circular relationship. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's, it's cool because. At one point, I was just making content talking about the Adobe tools for free just to build an audience and just to have content. Yeah. And now I'm making content for Adobe to help them announce their new features, and they actually cut me a check. Hey. So, like, <laughs> that must be know. nice. Yeah. I'm like, this is kind of wild. I, 12 months ago, I was just doing this for free. Yeah. Um, and I still will make content about tools and features because I do believe in you know, helping share the knowledge. Um, it's just a matter of finding time. So I, I kind of have been prioritizing the ads a little more, unfortunately, but it's cool because it's still Adobe stuff. Yeah. Like it's quite literally the tools I'm using. So, and, and, you know, at like being in teaching, like I know that, you know, those types of resources are where our students are going to like brush up on skills and like true. find, find out how to do things like, you know, we'll give them demos and assignment briefs, but they're they're going to YouTube and they're going to TikTok and they're like finding out how to use these tools there. Yeah. And that's like that becomes an incredibly valuable resource even to folks in design school. It's true. Um I had a I had a student recently share that um finding the answers on short form video, they prefer that actually because yeah. they don't have to scrub through a thirty five minute <laughs> tutorial you know yeah the, the 10 minutes of preamble where the guy's explaining totally. the problem that you're having and you're like i i know i know what the problem is i'm having it <laughs> yeah that's how i got here exactly um yeah oh boy there's oh, there's so many of those um yeah like i think i think short form makes the most sense for for this kind of thing mm. um we've been talking a lot about your social media accounts but where can people go to actually find them yeah so it's at zachary winterton on pretty much every channel you're you're on you're mostly on, on instagram instagram tiktok and linkedin are really my main areas of focus right now you know i'm just hopefully hopefully i'll find some time to make some more content soon yeah you know i've got some lofty goals for the coming year to really just keep making content and just kind of keep doing the thing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Zachary. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having um, me. And thank you also to all of you out there who are hearing this, uh, whether you're a new listener, an old listener, a flying listener, you're listening to this on a plane. Let it go into your brain. That's a Dr. Seuss rhyme for sure. <laughs> and the best way to let it go into your brain is to subscribe to it in the podcast player that you happen to use. You can search for the words in the show's title on them, and that's a good way that you can locate it. Probably it's how you are listening to this episode. I don't know. I'm not you. I can't see you right now. 
Um, but you can also go and and uh, find the show via our website, dididothat.design, and that's got links to all those places, too. Um, on that website, though, you can find some good good images that go along with each and every episode, including this one. And uh, you can get those images directly delivered to you via Instagram, our Instagram, dididothat.design. And, uh, you know, you can follow us on various other socials, including YouTube and including of course, LinkedIn. Hashtag make LinkedIn weird again. Our, our 2023 motto. We're about to uh, sunset because 2023 is, uh, is, is about to leave us. So this has been Did I Do That? I'm Sean Schumacher. And as we always say at the close of every episode. I actually am not sure what, what you said. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we always say. Okay, bye. <laughs> exercise get really calm to start the episode that's what you want just really quiet energy going into an audio recording that translates really well people love that so many tiktoks that people are just absolutely silent on. <laughs> silent and still that's the content that you want just sort of a photo Thank you.